0: Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Data Show. I am your uh, host for the day, Vincent Verhei. Joining me is uh, Football Outsiders Editor in Chief Aaron Schatz and longtime FL contributor Brian Knowles. We are here to discuss the most intriguing statistical revelations. That's a very hard word to say. Uh, week two in the NFL. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. Yeah. I enjoyed last
1: night. If only because legal.
2: Ryan, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, you know, it, it's been a late night. We got a weird doubleheader on Monday, but I'm excited and ready to go here for the uh, first data show.
0: All right, we will get that underway. We'll try to solve Aaron's microphone issues. But in the meantime, while we're waiting for that, I got exciting news I got exciting news for everybody. It's about underdog fantasy. You can go to underdog fantasy, play on underdog fantasy with us. We will double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS, that's O-U-T-S-I-D-E-R-S. You know, even with NFL best ball season over, Underdog has other user-friendly game formats to spice up all the games. You can try their Battle Royale, a six-round best ball-style draft with simpler chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites. Or try their Pick'em Games, where you can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than their best. <laughs> even in states where traditional prop betting currently isn't available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around. Join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the app store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. That's the ad read. We're done there.
1: Excellent. All right.
0: Uh,
1: All right. No way, so no
0: next up we have Uh, Brian was kind enough to put together a format for this show, starting with a number of the day, which is depending on how you feel about rounding. It's either 110, 110 110.5, or 111. Brian, can you tell us what that number means as it pertains to uh, football in Ohio?
1: That's the number of sacks the Cincinnati Bengals are currently on pace to give up this season, which would break the all-time NFL record, which is currently 104, set by the 1986 Eagles. The Bengals have allowed at least six sacks in each of their first two games, despite the massively overhauled offensive line. And currently, the defending AFC champions sit last in the league with a negative 35.6 offensive DOA. Uh, this is not exactly how you want to start your you know, defending, champ- you know, defending conference championship season.
0: No, no, Definitely. no, no, it's not. And uh, you mentioned those 1986 Eagles. I just want to mention real quick, Mike Tanier, many, many years ago, uh, wrote about the sacked and looted, the story of the 86 Eagles, how they gave up 100-plus sacks in a 16-game season, mind you. It's completely insane. Uh, it's well worth a read about Drone Jaworski, Buddy Ryan, uh, Randall Cunningham, and how absolutely not to run an offense. And the Bengals appear to be headed down the same path,
1: uh, fresh off a of Super Bowl, which is very surprising. Yeah, yeah I've I, I, not just fresh off a of Super Bowl, but fresh off of recognizing the offensive line and protection as a problem, yeah. revamping it by bringing in Alex Kappa, Ted Karras, and Leo Collins, and no. being worse than they actually were at this point last season.
0: Yeah, I, I, not- I admit I have, I have not watched a paid a ton of attention to the Bengals games, so I can't. From what I've heard and read, it's a little bit of everything. It is it is play calling. It is the players in the offensive line disappointing. And is Joe Burrow just being the kind of quarterback who holds the ball forever? It takes a lot of sacks.
1: And... Yeah, I, I would say it, it is systemic. It, 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 every, everything is a problem right now. Uh, the, you know, the offensive line is miscommunicating. They're blowing uh, simple line calls. Uh, Burrow is the kind of quarterback who's just going to hold the ball on forever. And there's nothing schematically that's happening, not using any real misdirection or motion to help buy more time. It's just, it seems like it's a fundamental failure on every single level. Of, of pass protection which is yeah, again again this these, this was insane they overcame all this to get the Super Bowl last year and now they can't get out of their own way the yeah
0: world- I, I write the quick reads column every uh late or late, late Monday night early Tuesday morning on footballoutsiders.com and I opened up that passing worksheet and I, I was aware Joe Burrow had a terrible game week one and I knew they lost in week two but I figured he must have done better but no, there he is, still at the bottom of the overall rankings on the season. And uh one week is a fluke, two weeks is a problem. <laughs> and uh I don't know um don't know how they gonna be able to turn it around. Uh, the good news is no one else in the division is running away with it. Cleveland and Baltimore blew big leads uh this weekend against the Jets and Miami. So they're still just one and one. So the, the Bengals are only uh, One game out of first place, and they still play two games against the Browns. They still play two games against the Ravens. So uh, we don't need to uh, break glass in case of emergency just yet. But uh, it's not a
2: positive sign at all. The Bengals? I was going to say, now that I'm back, hello. (laughs) You sound great, Aaron. Let's see if this works. Uh, The one thing that is working is the receivers. I mean, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins still have positive receiving DVOA. So it's not their fault. They're still playing well. Uh, it's a pass. It's pass protection. There's no running game whatsoever. It's Burrow himself, but it's not the receivers. The receivers are still really good. And,
0: and for all of this, if they make, a, if if their long snapper is healthy and they make a kick in week one, and uh, if they. Have a better final drive than they did yesterday in week two. They got the ball back with a chance to to, to go ahead and went uh, three and out with three completed passes. But if, if they just play a little bit better at the end of games, they're two and zero. And you know, uh, people are worried defense. about the sacks, but it's it, it it feels much better, you know.
1: The Bengals are the first team in the Super Bowl era to start zero and two, despite being a seven point favorite in each of those games. They're the first team to start zero and two losing on the last play of the game, uh, or th- th- being tied or ahead after the last play of the game. The Vikings missed a field goal last season or whatever, but they're the first team to actually lose a game when the opponents were the winning points the last play of the game, two weeks in a row. They're, they've been horribly snakebit uh, yeah. to this season. They, they, they had a post-game win expectancy of 60.8% in week one. The, you don't expect to have to use a backup long snapper. That is not a contingency that I think it's really reasonable to expect to, to prepare for. Last this week's game was pretty bad, but uh, but uh, but when you lose in a Cooper Rush, you've got big problems somewhere along the line. That is an issue. But they that should be at least issue. one and one. It, it feels like if they'd had some average luck. Yes. Like we most. Our, we,
0: we did our staff picks last week on 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 uh you know some some betting picks, and also what we what do we think the rec, the Cowboys' record will be when Dak Prescott uh, comes back and. I generously gave the Cowboys one win with Cooper Rush and I'm not I'm not wrong yet. They can still lose out until Tag gets back, but it's not looking good.
2: I kept trying to figure out if Cooper Rush was good. Or was he just just Noah Brown was just making some incredible catches. Like I I still feel like in the long run, Cooper Rush is going to be a below average quarterback. Like, but the fact is he's had two games now as the starter and he's been good in both of them. He might be just an adequate
1: replacement-level player, and you can get things done with an adequate replacement-level player.
0: Does anyone know off the top of their head when he was drafted? He's undrafted. Oh. Even Okay, there you go. So we go from undrafted Tony Romo to uh, – what was Dak? A third-round pick? Fourth-round pick. Fourth, fourth, even better, to, to, to undrafted Cooper Rush. So the Cowboys got a knack for finding quarterbacks under rocks, apparently. So moving on, I mentioned the Bengals and how they're still – Alive and well in the uh, AFC North there because the Baltimore Ravens shockingly lost to the Miami Dolphins. And this was a game I was watching closely, and I could not believe my eyes in that second half. Uh, Lamar Jackson put the, I got that long touchdown run. I think the uh, Ravens went up twenty to seven at that point. But uh, I just wrote about it. I should look it up. But suddenly, Tua Tagovailoa, Tua Tagovailoa was unstoppable. Suddenly, Lamar Jackson couldn't convert in short yardage. Uh, failed fourth and goal play in the second half, came back to bite him, and you blink, and the Dolphins have won. It was it was crazy. Uh, we had the second and third best DR games of the season so far, only behind Patrick Mahomes' massacre of the Cardinals in Week One. Tua is the fifth player ever to throw for fourth, four fourth quarter touchdowns. The first one who actually needed those to win in regulation. There have been others who were in blowouts when we were another another uh and my, my favorite stat of this is the last guy to do it was sage rosenfels and uh we were discussing this on the football outsiders discord and our reader said man i wish i had been around to watch that and of all the things i've seen in football outsiders chat i wish i had been around to watch sage rosenfels is not something i was expecting to see
2: yeah it makes you feel old doesn't it
0: <laughs> a lot makes you feel old these days so much <laughs> makes me feel old uh, that,
1: that that sage rosenfels game Rosenfels uh, turned the ball over four times, the Texans turned it over six times, which is why he needed to throw all those fourth quarter touchdowns, but they lost because that was also the day that Rob Baronis kicked uh, eight field goals to break the NFL record, and the Titans ended up beating the Texans uh, 38-36. to The other quarterbacks to do it are a slightly better crop. Uh, uh, Ken Stabler did it in 1980. Joe Montana did it in 1989 in the, in the famous game at Veterans Stadium where he was sacked eight times in the first quarter. And Vinny Testaverde did it for the 2000 Jets in the Miracle on Monday night where the Jets scored 30 points uh, in the fourth quarter to come back and eventually beat Jay Fiedler and the Dolphins.
0: Yeah, 35-14 is how big that Ravens lead got before uh, the Dolphins came back and won 42-38. to
2: just, just to point out how crazy that win was, the post-game win expectancy formula gives Baltimore a 99% chance of winning that game. Now, I have not done the post-game win expectancy formula for a lot of past years yet, right? I've only done it for just since 2020. But since 2020, that is the most unlikely win that we have seen. Uh, Not only did Baltimore have a higher DVOA than Miami, they they were better passing the ball They had a big special teams advantage because of the touchdown return by Devin DuVernay. Mm -hmm. Miami had 11 penalties, eight of which were accepted. Baltimore had two penalties, only one of which was accepted and the higher DVOA. And they still lost the game. It's crazy. It was a crazy comeback. It's crazy looking at the play by play that Baltimore lost that game. Uh, and I really feel like going forward, I have more faith in Baltimore than I do in Miami because I think ba- the things that went wrong for Baltimore are more luck driven, you know, fumbling at the goal line kind of things that, you know, are going to be righted over time. Uh, whereas Miami, you know, Tua's deep throws, by the way, they hung a little bit. Those oh, were yeah. not rockets. Right. No, those, those were
0: tiny kill highlights. They were not two Attack of little highlights.
2: Right. So I, uh, you know, I still feel better about Baltimore coming out of this game than Miami. If you're if you're
1: gaining 8.8 8 yards per play, you're winning the game 99% of the time. That's the main yeah. story. It's the 14th most yards per play by a losing team in NFL history. And most teams above them, you know, oh, they had three turnovers or they committed 57 penalties. Like I said, Ravens, no penalties, technically no turnovers because that was a, the, the fumble was a fourth down play. They recovered themselves. Usually when you have someone gaining so much offense and losing, it's because they made some horrible mistake somewhere. And they really didn't. They just don't have cornerbacks that could match Tyreek Hill and and, uh, and Waddle the, uh, on yeah. so much offense and losing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, 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 uh, Tagovailoa especially his DR was lower than expected for a guy with six touchdowns because you mentioned the turnovers and he also had a bunch of I mean, relatively speaking a bunch of incompletions and he also had a lot of short completions that didn't really go anywhere so their their offense was not smooth it was nothing 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 touchdown that kind of day um, and usually that kind of success is unsustainable and, and hard to maintain from week to week we'll see how it goes this is still an evolving Dolphins team with a new coach and a new talent everywhere and probably still gelling and still learning how to play together. So, uh, you know, it's an exciting thing to watch. But right now they're, you know, they're 2-0 and and tied with those Buffalo Bills. So <laughs> that'll I will be a like matchup a- up looming on the horizon.
1: That, that, that's this week.
2: That, that, that'll be fun.
1: Yeah,
2: I, think I, I, like, be- I like the Bills in this game. The line is something like five and a half. I'll take the Bills, the points, yeah. yeah. Give the points.
0: I mean, pretty much, yeah. Is, is the game in Buffalo?
1: I believe so, yes.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, no, the, the Bills, right, you know, the Bills were uh, the consensus Super Bowl pick coming into the season. They have done absolutely nothing since then to change anyone's mind. Yeah. Unless change their mind to bet more money on the Bills. And they haven't done that. Yeah. Uh, one quick footnote we have here, but just before moving on, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, the first teammates in NFL history to go over 170 yards and two touchdowns each. And Tyreek Hill joins 49ers legend Jerry Rice with four games with 10 catches, 150 yards, and two touchdowns that is that's yeah.
1: very good company and he, he got a lot he got a lot of years ahead of him too he's got a, he's probably going to break that record at, maybe this week who knows <laughs> tune in and see because that appears to be where the offense is going through in miami right now 10 150 and two is a
0: lot but he's got 15 games left to do it yeah. it may be by the end of the year yeah you know honestly it might be
1: yeah anytime you're on a list of jerry rice you, you're doing all right <laughs>
0: So that was a very exciting game with two exciting teams. And we moved out to another exciting team that has played a couple of exciting games, actually. The Detroit Lions, who uh, played well in a loss to Philadelphia in week one. Um, And Philadelphia, you know, dominated Minnesota Monday night. So that's no shame in the close loss there. And really had their way with Washington. Uh, in week two, a game that I don't think was as close as the final score would indicate. Washington off to a very late start. Uh, I think they were down 22-0 before they got the first first down. And uh, sort of made a game of it in the second half. But lots of big plays from both sides. And uh, we're looking at this Detroit Lions team and asking, hey, where does this rank in terms of, if you can even use this term, great Detroit Lions teams?
1: It's been a while since we had a truly great Detroit Lions team. But the Lions have scored 35 more points in each of the last three games going back to last season. And the last time they pulled that feed off was 1952 to 1953 when they were back to back NFL champions. So, uh, at least on offense, old times are coming again here in Detroit.
0: I I am feeling old, but I was not around for the 1950 Lions. Um, So, I I, I cannot, I don't have no firsthand knowledge of, uh, I'm assuming that was the Bobby Lane dick lane error without doing any research
2: that's yeah a, that's exactly right yeah. so I, I believe if they stay at this level for the entire season this would be the best lions season in dvoa history that's correct if you look only at the starts through the first two games this one ranks sixth among detroit lions starts <clears throat> but i will point out that of the other nine uh, seasons in the top 10 six of them the lions made the playoffs.
0: Yes, so, so we're talking about best uh, best Lions team since 1981, but focus on 2022 for a second here. I just realized this. Every team in the NFC North right now is one and one, like most NFL teams right now. But yeah. when you look at the, the second one in that, the losses, Detroit had a close loss to Philadelphia, whereas the Bears got blown up by the Packers, the Packers got blown up by the Vikings, and the Vikings got blown up by the Eagles. It, has this been the best team in the division thus far?
2: I think so far, yes. Now, I mean, yeah. does that mean they're going to be the best team in the division for the whole season? I think that that's unlikely. But so far, this has been the best team in the division. You know, and you're talking, you know, two games is a
1: significant part of part of a season. If you, you know, you get 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 to a heart enough start, doesn't matter if you come back to the pack a little bit.
0: Yeah, but and and they're not just. Uh... They're not just grinding out lucky wins and fluke wins or anything. They they are explosive playmakers. DeAndre Swift has been a stud for two weeks. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown making plays in the air and as a runner. And Jared Goff, you know, he was – I've written about him before. He amplifies the state of his team. So he was on a terrible team last year and looked like a terrible quarterback. He's on a much better team this year, and he looks much better because uh, I think it was Ben Muth who described him as the human jugs machine. You tell him where to throw it, give him time to throw it, and he will make the pass. If that first read's open or pressure, get, or first read is not open, or the pressure gets to him, who knows what will happen. But he's in a better environment now, and he's a guy who thrives in a better environment. And I, I think he's, you know, he's frankly he's underrated at this point. So
2: I'll point out that they were missing offensive linemen this week, too. There was no Frank Ragnow and yeah. no Jonah Jackson. And that Washington front didn't do any damage.
1: Yeah, the Lions are actually currently uh, first in the league in yards before contact in the Russian game at three point eight, despite missing, you know, the, the entire interior of the line. They're they're only fourth in adjusted line yards because there are some there are some long untouched runs in there, but they're still fourth in adjusted line yards. And Emmanuel Saint Brown is just catching everything thrown in his path. Uh, it, it was his eighth consecutive game with at least eight receptions, which ties a rather arbitrary NFL record, but still a pretty nice record to go along with Antonio Brown and Michael Thomas he is uh he has caught a touchdown in his last 6 games the only other people under age 23 to ever do that are Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski another nice list to be on there at this time last year uh Emmanuel Russell Brown was a loser league staple like he's going to get like 3 catches yeah. he's going to avoid the penalty because the Lions are terrible and you know he's he's going to get you know your 3 and 10 and you'll be move on and be happy by the end of the last season he's become one of the one of the better receivers in the league and he's kind of Kind of, left, kind of picked up where he left off.
0: I'm going to look at their schedule real quick. Let's see what's uh, on tap for Detroit here and if they can actually make a run out of this. We have uh, week three at Minnesota, so we'll find out a lot about both those teams real quick. Then we go Seattle, the home, at New England, and the bye. So, you know, three and two of the bye week, I, th- I think they would have taken that coming into the year. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. definitely on the table. Even four and one, uh, New England has not really lit the world, world on fire. so
1: this is a this is a playoff contender we're looking at (laughs) Campbell has done a heck of a job in detroit i mean you you often get a lot of these like aggressive mindset coaches who end up punting on fourth and inches and stuff like that but campbell backs up you know uh backs up the the talk with the walk the 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 the, the, uh they went for it on fourth and one at the goal line in a play that analytics people should just save for everyone because they failed but they immediately got a safety on Carson Wentz, returned the free kick for a ton of yards and scored a touchdown again. So they turned their fourth and one failure into nine points. I just love that we're seeing Campbell keep doing this while having a lead because it's one thing to go for these fourth and ones fourth and shorts when you're trailing and you're looking for those big you know big swing kind of plays it's another to follow the stats when you have the lead and are willing to like stick with the numbers and stick and being being aggressive on on offense and not and just trust your defense that if you fail you'll get a good play there i love it because we've seen so many meat head coaches just not understand game situations like that and campbell has been fantastic
0: every NFL coach when they are hired promises the team is going to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Campbell is, as, 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 as boisterous and, and uh, uh, for lack of a better term, loud mouth as any of them. And he was very, very much talking about how aggressive his team was going to be and biting kneecaps and all that. And here we are, we're, uh, what would this be? 19 games in, and it is not just talk. He was not just putting on a show. His team is aggressive and plays aggressive and takes chances and, and, and has thing. playmakers on both sides of the ball. Aiden Hutchinson, we didn't even mention him and has three sacks yeah. in the first half. Um, there's a lot to like about this Detroit team, you know, in in, in 22 in 2022
2: and going forward. They're fun to watch. You know, that's weird. The Detroit Lions are fun to watch. Things new coaches never say. We're going to sit back and let <laughs> the game come to us. Make sure we cover all the gaps. And I think our players are going to be more intellectual than violent. <laughs> They might vote those things, but they're never going to say those things.
0: No one ever says we're going to play slow, passive.
2: uh, We're going to play a lot of passive zone coverages because the fact is that if you try to kill us with a ton of little paper cuts, eventually you're going to make a mistake and we're going to get the ball back. Nobody ever says that. They no. do it, but they
1: never say it. We've got a lot of young prospects who are going to take a lot of time to really gel together. So there's going to be some early, ugly learning pains here for about 10 weeks.
0: Well, speaking of things that are ugly, our fourth down here, uh, fourth item on the, the bullet point, fourth bullet point to discuss, the quick hit sadness roundup. Yes. Oh, there are some sorry, sorry teams in this league right now, and there's one team that's 1-1 one and, one, and actually really easily could be 2-0, and oh, but is playing some very ugly football is the Denver Broncos. Uh, their goal to go DVOA of minus 155.9%. That
1: was last in the league until last night, and that's... the Minnesota Vikings decided to throw, like, multiple interceptions inside the 10. So th- thank you, Kirk Cousins, for ruining my stats. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but the Broncos also lead the league in with 25 penalties. That's bad. And they lead the league with four delays of game. That's bad. That's more than nine teams had all of last season. It yeah. got so bad, Broncos fans were counting down the play clock in the second half while their offense was on the field. That's one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen. I really hope that becomes that becomes their thing, the thing they do every time. Because I forget the twelfth man, you do the fifth man, the fourth man, all standing up with their signs, just counting down so they can get this get the ball snapped on time. The 40,000th Nathaniel Hackett, man. Nathaniel yeah. Hackett apparently is doing Dr. Strange stuff over here, calculating all 1 billion possible possibilities before coming up with a play call. Wasting time, wasting timeouts.
0: Yeah, but then We're instead of, of finding the one play that works, he picks one of the other 2 billion. Yeah. <laughs> it goes on. I'm going to have a lot to say about this. I'm doing the coach show so with Ian, and apparently the my coach show so with Ian O'Connor is just going to be retitled What Stupid Thing Did Nathaniel Hackett Do This Week? Um, I, I, didn't see a ton of the game because it was on the same time as, as, as the Seahawks and I was watching, wasting my time watching that one. Uh, but <laughs> it, so last week, everyone's mad at him for letting the time go at the end of the game and not calling timeout, you know, and then kicking the mile long goal at the end this week, apparently because of troubles getting the play off, the Broncos were out of timeouts in a close game halfway through the fourth quarter. Just a amateur hour. So <laughs> now amateur hour Ramshackle first week of preseason game here, two weeks into the season. Now I missing those Seahawks, and we have to talk about their uh what's the the word? Impotence? Their <laughs> complete inability to move the ball. They had w- one good half on offense when Nathaniel Hackett's Broncos forgot to cover tight ends. And in these six quarters since it has been brutal watching this offense go. Uh Geno Smith set the record for completion percentage in a game where the offense scored no points, which is not a record you want to have. He sure can check down. He completed 80% of his pass
2: attempts. That's usually <laughs> pretty good. What's What's amazing is last year, what was remarkable about the Seahawks offense was how few plays they ran. Yeah. <laughs> and this year, they're running even fewer plays than last year.
0: It, it turns out th- th- things in, in Denver are not going uh, as well as they could for Russell Wilson, but it, he may not have been the problem in Seattle. He may not have been <laughs> the issue with Seattle offense. Stunning, I know, but there there are people who are expecting, There, I swear to God, there are people who are expecting that to be the case, and it's not. Yeah, if you want three yards in third and ten, have I got a quarterback for you. Um, they got 85 running backs, and uh, none of them had a day running the ball. They put all four on the field at one point and, and let them throw the pass instead of Geno Smith. It was intercepted. It was not close. They're, they're just lost, man. Uh, Pete their this only points came on both. a blocked field goal, returned for a touchdown. Uh, Michael Jackson, by the way, having a hell of a year with that – uh block field goal and the fumbles in in week one that was all him so uh, he's been a thriller for seattle and a pun you will hear 18 times a week uh the rest of the year because there's nothing else to talk about because the team sucks so bad (laughs)
1: P.K.L. already this week has both said they need to run the ball more and trust Geno Smith more. So apparently they just need to do more, just in general.
2: Just do more Yes, plays. because they're not running many plays. That's what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're running fewer plays. Let they Absolutely, that's what they need to do, more. Just more plays. There need to be more plays.
0: You know, we're, two, we're two games into D.K. Metcalf's uh, giant contract extension, and he's averaging something like six or seven yards per catch. Oh,
2: this ain't on him. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and that's not a reflection of him. I, I, I made this, I posted this on Twitter, and people thought I was DK Metcalf. And I, no, no, you don't understand. This is not a, is not a reflection of him. Given his skill set, why are you even throwing him the ball within six yards of the line of scrimmage regularly? Why are you throwing screens and hitches and slants to the guy who's not very quick, but is incredibly fast?
1: You run, throw him 20 yards downfield, let him out jump everyone because he's so huge, and I don't know. That was the meme when he was coming out. He can't turn to his right or left. He runs straight, he runs fast, and you throw him the, the go route. That's he all you need to do. Yeah.
0: He's a freight trainer, wide receiver, yes. And, and they're they're trying he's to make Devo him uh, Rondale Moore. <laughs> not what I would do, but hey, I'm not a coach. And then another sorry team. Really, it was just a few minutes at the end of the game, but we have to talk about these Cleveland Browns. They were ahead 13 points with uh yeah. inside-the-two-minute warning and let the Jets come back and beat them. Yeah. If, and Nick is a f-
1: if Nick Chubb had Excuse fallen me. down at the one-yard line, the game would have been yep. over. Instead, yes. he scored a touchdown, and the Jets came back. <laughs>
0: It was not quite Todd Gurley accidentally scoring for the Falcons a few years ago when he was trying to go down and they pushed him into the end zone. But uh, kind of a similar situation. And, uh, you know, we've talked about Cleveland being the factory of sadness basically since the New Browns debuted uh, in uh, 99, I think. Uh, So in the 21st century, there have been three teams that have won when trailing by double digits with three minutes left in the game. It was this year's Jets. The 2013 Patriots and the 2001 Bears, all of whom were playing the Cleveland Browns.
1: That is insane and true, and I I mean that there's not obviously nothing connecting these three Browns teams except Cleveland just can't have
2: nice things. (laughs) No, I I mentioned the uh, post game win expectancy was 99 percent for Baltimore. It was 93 percent for Cleveland.
0: That's that's not even accounting for Joe Flacco.
2: <laughs> that's based on how the teams played in this game and DVOA splits and penalties and such. And you yeah. would have expected Cleveland to win 93% of the time.
0: All right. We got a few other uh, statistical footnotes and tidbits here. We have uh, more on Joe Burrow and the Bengals and sacks. Uh, Joe Burrow, the uh, first player to take six sacks in each of the first two games since well last year, Daniel, Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. Uh neither of whom actually turned
1: things around. Yeah, yeah let, 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 let me, let me, let uh, J- Jones and Darnold took six or more sacks in two consecutive games that they played. They just, those two games were consecutive because they were knocked out because they had just taken six sacks. Yes. Uh, Matt Ryan is the last player to actually take uh, six sacks in back-to-back team games in 2019 in less than a week because one of those was a Thursday night game. It was just, you know, just a night- nightmare for him. The thing, the thing about the, the the Bengals, going back to them real quick, it's not all that unusual, all that considered, to take six sacks, or six or more sacks in back-to-back games. That's happened about hundred fifty times uh, since they started recording this thing in the nineteen fifties. It happens about time that happens at the end of the year when you with your backup quarterback and your injured reason on the offensive line, and so far, it's a little rarer for that to happen in weeks one and two. That's only happened one time in the past decade. That was the uh, 2018 Seahawks in the year after they had replaced Tom Cable. Uh, Russell Wilson was sacked uh, six times each of the first two games there. It got a little better. They, they didn't break the all-time NFL record, you may have noticed, but they did have a 10.7% sack rate that season. So it's not a great sign when, you know, right off the bat,
2: you can't protect anybody. I'll point out, by the way, the Bengals do not have the highest adjusted sack rate in the league right now. Really? The Bears do. The Bears, Justin Fields has only taken five sacks, but the Bears throw the ball so infrequently in these first mm-hmm. two games that they actually end up with a higher adjusted sack rate than the Bengals. Yeah,
0: uh, the, the Bears threw 11 passes last uh, uh, Sunday in yeah. uh, the loss to Green Bay. They lost by 17 points. They looked up teams that threw so few passes in games they lost by so much. You have the Giants last year when they were down to Mike Lennon to quarterback. You know, the Denver Broncos in the Kendall Hinton game, which just goes on saying, and then you have to go back to 2005 and David Carr on the Houston Texans. And frankly, I don't know why, because they, they were getting killed by, uh, I want to say it was the Colts, and they just kept handing off. <laughs> I, 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 I don't remember. I was not with Football Outsiders at the time. I can't explain it. But uh, 15 years, no, 17 years since a starting quarterback has thrown so few passes and he blow out loss. That's that that's the that's the unique state of the Chicago Bears this year.
2: There was not a monsoon this week. No. And there was not I, a monsoon. There, there, there was no reason to not
0: well uh, other than he's not very good at passing, or the Bears aren't very good at passing. You mentioned their sack rate. Uh Justin Fields has thrown for six first downs this year. That's tied with Dak Prescott. That's tied with Trey Lance. And it's less than the guys who have replaced Dak Prescott
1: and Trey Lance. There's, a, there's a, just a tr- an unexplainable lack of trust in Justin Fields. I mean, maybe Fields is just terrible. Maybe, maybe it's just a waste of a draft pick and he's a horrible football player. But it's hard to tell because they never let him actually do anything. You, you know, you think you want to just see everything you can possibly do so you can make the decision after this year if you're going to keep going with Fields or, or draft someone else. But the, the, they want to hide the you know the this high draft pick quarterback and it just it 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 baffles me it, it doesn't make any sense either strategically in, th- in terms of a game because you need to be, have some kind of big place to turn things around it doesn't make sense in terms of overall team building strategy because you have to know what you have it's it's ridiculous it's, it's absolutely ridiculous and i cannot explain what the bears are doing
0: my engineer has written about this and explained it better than I could, but it's the, 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 the um, sort I don't know. If, I don't know if Peter Principle is the right word or not, but it is the idea of self-sabotage so that you can use the excuse of a bad quarterback to get an extra year as a coach. <laughs> That's um, the, the, Job longevity is the goal rather than actually winning games and earning, uh, you know, or earning a longer career through success in the field which yeah, is possible.
2: The Bears have a new head coach, so he doesn't have to do that. If he fails this year with fields, then he can blame it on fields. They're not going to fire him after one year.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's it's very, very strange. Now, speaking of sacks, we talked about the guys who take them. Let's talk a little bit about the guy racking them up on the other side of the ball. Micah Parsons, 17 sacks in his career, the most for any player in the first eight games, passing Alvin Smith with 16.5. And that saying – it's it's even better than that because for at least a lot of last year he was primarily an off-ball linebacker, not an edge rusher. Now, from what I've seen, I would never take this guy off the edge. I would find some other fifth-round pick to to cover the hook zones and let this guy terrorize quarterbacks all day. But uh, you know, this is a, this is this is a superstar that we're watching emerge here in Dallas.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do, I, do, I know the coveted first eighteen game sack record is one everyone was keeping track of leading up to the game. But it's still like it's a, it's a hotter start than we've seen any other pass rusher in history. It's it's a uh, when I was running scramble last year, we, uh, we had several large rants about like the Pro Bowl voting and the All Post stuff that Parsons was listed as linebacker and the NFC NFC was crowded with linebackers and we had you have to give a spot to Parsons because he was so good. He's, he's not a linebacker. He's he's he he is year, an he adequate
2: won. defender. Last year, he played more an off-ball linebacker than he did at the edge. This year, it looks like it's the opposite. This year, it looks like he's played yeah. more on the edge. Fingers crossed. You
1: know, that, that, that continues because that's his skill set, and he's incredibly good at him. Let him be, you know, Reggie White. Let him just rush the passer nonstop, and you're going to keep getting these insane numbers.
0: Well, his skill set is diverse. He can do both, but... The edge rusher is so much more valuable.
1: Lawrence Taylor could cover pretty well, too. That That's not what, you know, that's not what what we remember Lawrence Taylor for.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. So looking around a little bit more here, let's uh, see, so we covered the Ravens, 8.8 8 yards per play in a loss. Uh, uh, the not, it's not the record. Uh, the Jets beat the Chiefs in 2017, 38-31. The Chiefs averaged
1: 10.3 yards per play with no turnovers. That, yeah, that, that's noodle-armed Alex Smith averaging that many yards per play because uh, he got to throw the ball to Tyree Kill a lot. Tybee Kill had a 70-plus-yard touchdown that game. He had a, another 40-yarder touchdown game, you know, and they had a lot of three and outs. Because the way you get a lot of yards per play is you have lo- lots of yards and very few plays. So uh, the, the times yeah. where they were in the field, they were long. They were either getting long touchdowns or they were punting the ball right back.
0: That's that, that an interesting point. That's, that's your 2021 20, Seahawks there. Uh, very, exactly. very high yardage, very few plays. And another Lamar Jackson note, there will be a lot of these going going through the years here. He's uh, set the record for most 100-plus rushing yard days by a quarterback. He has uh, uh, 11 now, breaking the tie out of Michael Vick. Uh, that was inevitable. Uh, first player in league history to have a 75-plus yard touchdown run and a 75-plus yard touchdown pass, uh, and is still in a contract year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's, it is – that contracted problem is really bizarre to me. I mean, uh, he was MVP in 2019. He, he hasn't been that good again since, but I mean, he's he's up there in the top quarterbacks. We sign him. Find a way. I know that. It, I know that the Watson contract has thrown uh, everything out of proportion. But uh, I mean, you, at a certain point, you you write you you write a blank check. You you put number zeros. You put you put as many zeros as you want behind it, and you sign up your quarterback for the long term. He, Ravens haven't had.
2: He wants the Watson guarantee. He wants the yeah. Watson guarantee, and no other team in the league, other than Cleveland, wants to give that out to anybody. That's this got to be the sticking point in this. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and I get that, but it, it it frankly is crazy to me that Kyler Murray got an extension and Lamar Jackson has not, and uh, it, it's also one of those things you you'd see you would hear people for for a long time argue that NFL contracts should be guaranteed. And my response always was, there's nothing stopping any player from holding out and demanding a fully guaranteed contract. And and as soon as as, soon as they want to, they'll get that. And uh, Cousins got his, and Watson got his, and other players want them. And teams, for obvious reasons, don't want to do that. They want incentives and bonuses and and, and things that are not guaranteed. Not 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 just. I'm not just talking about uh, you know uh, phony baloney. If he takes one snap, here's a ten million dollar bonus. I mean. They, they want to reward guys for playing well, and they want insurance in case guys get hurt or don't play well. Uh, also in that Ravens game, Tua Tagovailoa, 450 yards and six touchdowns. That The 10th player ever. It's quite a list here. Uh, you have Tua, you have Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, future Pro Bowler Matt Flynn, Joe Montana, Joe Namath, Y.A. Tittle, one of my favorite names ever to say, and the immortal Johnny Lujack. So, yeah, Flynn does really stand out there, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, you have seven Hall of Famers or future Hall of Famers. You've got Heisman Trophy running Lujak, and you've got Matt Flynn in what has to be one of the weirdest one off games in NFL history. It is, uh, hopefully, Tua to uh, goes towards those other passes and doesn't become ne- the next Flynn. If he's in
0: the median in that group, they'll, they'll take that. <laughs> they'll take that right away.
1: Tua had a, that. yeah, the other, because Tua's game is so amazing that, like, there's all kinds of records and stuff that go along with it. He had three touchdowns of 20 or more air yards in that game. That doubled his career total to this point. So, you know, yeah. that's fun. <laughs> I, I know they may have been the wobblers, but if you're two yards underthrown the and your receiver is five yards open, that'll work. Under
0: those circumstances, that counts as an accurate pass uh two is getting a lot of help by the way one of the simplest things a coach can do to help his quarterback is you know put the offense in motion have guys motioning across the backfield helps them uh you know help. you can see how the defense react and see how they are set it's a simple little thing that a lot of coaches just don't do cliff kingsbury but uh the 49ers have always been high in that category and mike McDaniel came from the 49 ers system and he's trumping them in the emotion department 77 percent of all plays he's using motion 45 percent of the time at the snap uh, the dolphins are using motion. That's doing a lot to help tiger Vailoa out.
1: Yeah, you you can see, you can see that the dolphins' offense is still a bit square pegs and round holes. I mean, Mike Geseki's barely getting on the field compared to what he's capable of doing. But you can kind of see this is the plan. We're going to bring the Shanahan offense over here, but with the the highest caliber speed receivers we can find. So you can, this is a team that is going to be better next year than they are this year. I know they tied to the Bills, but I think that's going to be a temporary thing. But you can kind of see the, the, the nuts and bolts of, of a really good offense here. And I, McDaniels impressed me through the first two weeks. I know the Dolphins haven't looked great, but seeing how the offenses look this year compared to how they've looked in the past couple of years, I, I'm impressed. Especially when you look at some of the other new coaches in the league and how, how they've gotten their starts going. I think, I think McDaniels have a good, a,
2: a, good, a, good, a good opening. I mean, I think McDaniels looked – the offense has looked really, really good. The defense yeah. looked terrible this week. And the special teams had a problem, but the offense has been fantastic. They're number two in DVOA on offense this year. Yeah.
0: And, and you know, they, they a lot of that is uh, – I mean, it's, it's a team, sport team, every team production, but if you want to credit most of it to one person over another, I think a lot of that is goes to Tyreek Hill, um, who is a, a, a unique talent. You know, you can't just go out and find a Tyreek Hill. You can't just say, hey, let's draft a Tyreek Hill this year. They're, they're, they're not out there. And they paid a massive price to get him, and uh, it has you've seen why. And he, he has changed the offense by himself. So we talked a lot here about uh, the Dolphins and the Ravens and the Bengals. We have not talked a lot about Arizona and Las Vegas, and I've taken a few shots at their coaching and, 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 and their quarterback, but let's not ignore the fact that they won this week. Uh, and they won in unusual circumstances, down 16 points uh, with 12 minutes left, came back, got, got the two touchdowns and the two two-point converts to tie, and they got the fumble recovery to win an overtime, you know, ups and downs, highs and lows here. They, they, they got, you know, slaughtered by uh, Kansas city last week, got some garbage time touchdowns to make the final score look more respectable than it was. And fell by, I think they were down 20 to nothing here in this Raiders game. They, they, I know they were down, you know, at 16 points, I just said, and uh, Kyler Murray had his, a lot of struggles and he had a lot of magic spells and pixie dust. Um the, the, the funniest two-point conversion I've ever seen in my life, I assume, if you have not uh, uh, by now seen the 80-some uh, yard run for a two-yard gain set to Yakety sacks which is the funniest two-point conversion I've ever seen. Um, I think he went right, left, right, all the way to the left-hand corner of the end zone before he yep. finally crossed in. It's so 21
1: seconds for that play to happen. 21-second 20, 20,
0: 20, 20. play. And officially,
1: it was a two-point conversion, so no time went off the clock. Um The funniest thing about that play to me is there were open receivers at the beginning of the play who kind of just didn't get a chance to go see because partially because the offensive line was busy caving in like any other quarterback in the league, I think just immediately just just falls down there because everything has gone down there. I being, you know, we're both NFC West fans. We have seen Kyler Murray do this over and over and over again. He is just Houdini in the pocket. Like if I, if I knew my play was going to start with my offensive line, just, parting the Red Sea. I don't think there's any quarterback in the league I'd rather have than Kyler Murray because he always finds some way of just some nonsense in the backfield to make something happen.
0: Well, the um, I think it was that two point player. Maybe it was his touchdown run, but you know, the Raiders don't blitz a lot They you know, just will not blitz a lot. And on, on one of his scoring runs, I think they actually had a two man rush with a defensive tackle playing spy. That won't work. <laughs> that is not an NFL caliber scheme. Um and especially against Murray and I guess I should have looked the numbers up before before this but he's not Patrick Mahomes you can blitz him he will make mistakes he'll make a lot of mistakes he'll make really bad mistakes if you put if 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 you force him and if if you just sit back and, and count on your standard four man rush uh to get to him seams will open up and you know he's he's really small <laughs> very small t- you, know, you ever try to tackle a rabbit uh it's hard and uh he'll, he'll find very small seams in, in your in your in your pass rush and next thing you know it's a first down they're moving the sticks when you had everything covered and uh anyway <laughs> i'm rambling now um so how are how we feeling about these cardinals do we do we think uh I, I put up a poll who's gonna win this nfc nfc west they are like the nfc north all four teams now are one and one and uh Maybe if this is just because I have a lot of Seattle followers. I don't know, but the, the Cardinals actually finished fourth in the poll about who would win the division, which baffled, blew my mind because Seahawks think. But um, are we trusting them? Do we think they're going to be alive for for the in the playoff race come December?
2: I'm still not a big fan of the Cardinals this year, but I will say the defense impressed me this week in that Byron Murphy kind of shut down Devonte Adams. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, where did that come from? Yeah. Um, and so that made me feel like the Cardinals have a little bit more hope for their defense to not be horrific all year. Um, and if the offense can do the kind of things that they did this week in the comeback, then they could be a good team, but overall, I'd rather have the Rams than the 49ers. Yeah. Cause the Cardinals have played, played two good
1: quarters, uh, so far this season and that's not going to cut it.
0: No, that, that that's a bad rate. Um, we haven't mentioned the Colts yet, but the Colts have played nine quarters this year, counting the overtime week one, and I believe they even shut out in eight of them. Uh, yeah,
2: that's... the Colts got smashed. It's, um, it's going to be the subject of the DVOA commentary and any given Sunday this week. The Colts got completely destroyed this week. Yeah,
1: they are, they are 0-8 in their last eight, home game, uh, eight road games in, uh, against the Jaguars, be, be that in London or Jacksonville. Uh, the Jaguars have shut the Colts out three times since 2017. <laughs> the Jaguars are six and 30 in the last 36 games, and three of those wins have come against the Colts. I don't know what ancient Duval deity the Colts have angered over the, since Andrew Luck retired, but they just—they forget all the basics of football whenever they have to travel to Florida.
0: All I know is I picked the Jaguars to, as the team to be the DBA, DVOA projection, and they are in first place, and uh, go Jags. Uh, as I They're said recently,
2: division favorite. They're number two in DVOA, even though that's only two games. It's just basically that's one game. They were at 110% this week, like just no. destroyed the Colts. That's... E-
1: that that has to be incredibly frustrating if you're a Colts fan, like like infuriating. You you know you bought Matt Ryan and you oh, you've upgraded from Carson Wentz. You were so close playing the playoffs last year. This year you're gonna go to Jacksonville. You're gonna prove that last year was a fluke. You've upgraded and just nothing. You don't even show up for the game practically. It's I know that they were missing Michael Pittman. They were missing um, uh, uh, Leonard. Yeah, they, they they were missing players. I get it. It's still the Jacksonville Jaguars. You, you know if you are if you are a playoff caliber team. You should be able to be. I know, I know that 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 we we like as a sleeper team and whatnot. You should still be able to beat the Jacket.
2: geez! You should be able to just at least be close to them. Yeah. So you should be able to score. Yes. Yeah.
0: You should be able to get points, any point. at any at some point in the game, you get some points, and they never got close. Well, that's about all I got on my docket here today. I'm not, actually, almost an hour, which kind of surprises me. But uh, let's see if there's anything in the uh, comments nice. here. We had a bunch of them in the last, like, 15 minutes after silence for the first half of the Basically show. Basically
2: just that the Colts look awful and that the Colts have been downgraded to Geldings, and all that's true. I, I, the Colts, I think, are in last place after two weeks. They're downgraded to the- Geldings. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because they, they, because they have the worst Divisional record, So and they have
2: the tie. I'm they're they're to- last the in DVOA uh, after two weeks, I believe.
0: I would think so. Yeah. And, and it's well-earned. It's well-earned. Yeah all right well thank you everyone for joining us i appreciate you taking the time out of your day to uh, uh, listen and, and watch i hope you had a good time let's do this again next week fellas that sounds good all right great thank tuesday,
2: you 1 p.m eastern
0: yes next tuesday 1 p.m eastern we will talk all the news of week three and talk about how great underdog fantasy is because we like them so very very much thanks for listening everyone and we will talk to you next week